Welcome, ladies, to Women's Bible Study. We are so glad that you're leaning into your groups, that you're joining in with other women to study the Word of God, and we're so glad that you're here to worship with us. So would you join us, join your voices with us, even if it's weird. Join your voices with us, and let's sing to our God. my shield, the power that saves me in my place of safety. 
I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise and he saved me from my enemies. The ropes of death entangled me, floods of destruction swept over me, the grave wrapped its ropes around me, death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord, yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Let's sing. Never 
Part of me that is saying, but I'm shaken. I feel shaken. So God, would you build our faith? Even as we sing these things, would you build our faith in the truth of who you are in your character? That you are our fortress. You are our high tower. You are our salvation. Thank you, Lord, for that. Would you bolster us up, support us, and surround us today? Welcome, ladies. It is so great to be with you. We sure do miss gathering with you guys in the same room, in the same space, but we are grateful for the gift to be able to connect with you in this way. Before we jump into our teaching for today, I want to invite you to join us for our upcoming Zoom Women's Gathering on Wednesday, May 6th at 7.30 p.m. We want you to know that you are not alone, and so this gathering is a chance to worship and pray with women and connect with other women, be encouraged from God's Word, and just have some fun. We are gonna be hosting our gathering using an online platform called Zoom. You do need to register for the event, so you can go on our website and register for the event, and then you will receive the Zoom link. When you register, you will also be entered into a raffle, which means that you might win a really amazing prize via our raffle at our Zoom Women's Gathering. So please plan to join us, invite some friends, and we're excited to see you for our Women's Gathering. Well, you guys, in a month or so, my husband and I are coming up on our six-year wedding anniversary, and some of you may know this about me and about my story, but dating and singleness and heartbreak and the unmet desire to be married was a part of my story for a really long time. I met my husband online on eHarmony.com, and I knew pretty early on that he was the guy for me. It took him a lot longer to figure that out, but I knew really early on that most likely this was the guy I wanted to get engaged to and married. But the thing about dating is that there really are no guarantees you're going to marry the person until you get to the altar and you're both standing there and you both say, I do, and you get married. And so as we dated, I dated my husband with great hope and great anticipation, and I was looking forward to what I thought was going to be our future together. And as we dated, we started talking about getting engaged. We both shared with each other that we wanted to marry each other. And then my husband bought the engagement ring. And at that point, I walked around each day confident that I was going to be getting engaged and eventually married because he'd bought the ring and we had talked about it, right? And so I did what a lot of women do. I tried to figure out the exact day that my husband was going to be 
be proposing. And so I had narrowed it down to a Saturday in March. And when I woke up that morning, I was pretty certain that was going to be the day I was getting engaged. But I became 100% certain that was the day I was getting engaged when I got a text early that morning from an old, old friend. And she texted me something along the lines of, hey, Jill, a little birdie told me today is going to be a really special day for you. Congratulations. And at that point, I was certain that was going to be the day. It's easy to live by faith and to believe when you know what's coming and what the future holds. It was easy for me to go into that day trusting that I was getting engaged because my husband had told me he was going to propose, he'd bought the ring, and then my friend had texted me literally implying that it was happening on that day. But it's harder to believe, it's harder to have faith when we we can't see the future, when life is uncertain, when we don't have a friend texting us to tell us exactly what tomorrow holds. Maybe for you, it's hard to live by faith right now and believe that God will provide for your family or for your finances. Maybe it's hard to live by faith in the midst of a health challenge that you're facing or in the midst of something going on at work. Maybe it's hard to live by faith in the midst of your unmet dreams or the things you're hoping hoping for or your marriage that's struggling. Maybe there's a situation that you just can't see a way out of and you're not sure how there would ever be a better day, how anything could change. Maybe you're struggling to live by faith in the midst of this worldwide pandemic that we are all facing together. It's easy to live by faith when our vision is 2020. It's harder to live by faith when there are things we can't see. And so today, I wanna share with us what it means to live by faith when you can't physically see what tomorrow holds. Faith isn't something that we have to muster up, but it is something we have to choose. It's not something that we do blindly, but it is something that we do without being able to see everything. We can live by faith, and we can be full of faith because our God is faithful. We can choose to walk by faith and not by sight because we follow a God who is faithful to his word and to his promises. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for each woman who is joining us for this teaching. God, I pray that they would be encouraged. I pray that they would be challenged. I pray that you would speak to them and show them what it is that you are inviting them to when it comes to living by faith in you. And God, I pray for anyone listening and joining us who has not said yes to Jesus Christ, who has not yet said, I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I pray that you would be speaking to them and moving in their hearts and that you would lead them to a place where they are ready to say yes to you and yes to living by faith in Jesus Christ. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, today we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and we are going to look at chapter 11 to see what we can learn about living full of faith in a faithful God. For most of Women's Bible Study this year, we have been in the book of Exodus, and we've been looking at stories about Moses and how God used Moses to bring his people out of slavery and into and to the promised land. 
And so today, we are gonna be in the book of Hebrews, again, chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11 is like a hall of fame for people who have lived by faith. It's a lengthy list and description of people from the Old Testament who were looked at as people who lived by faith. And Moses is included in that list. And so today, we are gonna look at what Hebrews 11 has to say about Moses, as well as another giant of the faith named Abraham. And we're gonna look at what we can learn and what we can take away that will help us learn to be full of faith in a faithful God. Hebrews 11 is a pretty long chapter, but it's also a beautiful and powerful chapter. And so for the sake of time, I'm only gonna be reading selected passages for us today, but I would encourage you, take a moment to read the entire chapter, Hebrews 11. I want to invite you even now where you're at, you can pause this video right now, grab your Bible, read Hebrews chapter 11, and then come back and join us for the teaching. So in Hebrews 11, the author names people who have lived by faith. He says by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Moses, and on and on. The phrase by faith is used 19 times in this chapter of Hebrews. And while the author of Hebrews isn't named, Whoever it is, he's not trying so much to define what faith is as he's trying to give us a picture of what faith looks like, what it looks like for people to live by faith. And this faith isn't just a general sense that everything's gonna be okay, things are gonna work out, life's gonna be fine, but the faith that Hebrews talks about is a faith that is based solely in God and in his promises. Hebrews 11 begins with these words. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. People who live by faith know that what they hope for will happen because their hope is in the promises of God. This verse is not saying that everything we hope for will happen. If you just hope hard enough and believe hard enough, you'll get that job promotion or that raise, you'll get married, all your dreams will be fulfilled, you'll have kids, whatever it is. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about putting our hope in the promises of God and being assured without a doubt that all of God's promises will be fulfilled and that God will do everything he has said that he will do. We can only live by faith when we place our faith in a God who we know will be faithful to his word. In other words, we can be full of faith because our God is faithful. Here's what Hebrews 11 says about Abraham. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land that he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he received power of procreation, even though he was too old and Sarah herself was barren because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. 
Abraham was able to have a child even though he and his wife were really old because he considered him faithful who had promised. God had told Abraham and Sarah that they would conceive a child and that through that child they would have many descendants and it came to pass because Abraham placed his faith in a faithful God. He believed and trusted in the promises of God. Faith is trusting in the promises of God. Theologian and Bishop N.T. Wright says that faith comes through hearing the promises of God, believing them, and acting on them. That's what people do who live by faith. For the remainder of our time, I want to share three characteristics of faith that I think we can learn from Hebrews 11. And I hope that these will encourage and challenge us to be women who are full of faith in a faithful God. So the first is this, faith obeys. Faith obeys obeys. Faith does what God says to do. Now, this doesn't mean that people who live by faith always do what God says because we're sinful and we're broken and we make mistakes. Even when you look at the list of people commended for their faith in Hebrews 11, we could go back through the Old Testament and see countless examples of how those people messed up or made mistakes or failed to obey God, but they still end up in the hall of fame for those who have lived by faith. I think the author of Hebrews wants us to know that while the lives of those who live by faith are not perfect, their lives are characterized by obedience. And this is good news because this means that for all of us who have messed up, all of us who have done the wrong thing or flat out disobeyed God, there is still hope that we can live by faith. We can be people whose lives are characterized by faith. Faith does what God says to do. God told Noah to build an ark and he obeyed. God told Abraham to leave his homeland and go to a new land and he obeyed. Moses obeyed God. This is what Hebrews 11 says about Moses. By faith, Moses was hidden by his parents for three months after his birth because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered abuse suffered for the Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, unafraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as though he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel." Moses obeyed by keeping the Passover. Remember, when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, God sent 10 plagues on the Egyptians, and the final plague was that he was going to kill all the firstborn male children. But God told Moses that he would spare the Israelite children if their families would put the blood of an unblemished lamb on their doorposts of their home. Moses obeyed, trusting that God would make good on his word and would spare the Israelites' firstborn sons. Here is what is interesting about obedience. We often obey and do what God says to do before we are able to see the result of our obedience. Hebrews says that faith is the conviction of things not seen. 
We obey, believing that God will bless us on the other side of obedience, believing that the end result of obedience is worth it. Where in your life right now do you need to obey? Where do you simply need to do what God is telling you to do and trust that he will be with you, that he will be faithful to you on the other side of obedience? Maybe when Coley shared a couple weeks ago about the commandment to keep a Sabbath, maybe you felt convicted because you Don't, you haven't yet put that practice in place. And for you, the invitation is to obey God's command and to start setting aside one day a week to take a Sabbath and to rest the way God tells us to. Maybe God has been inviting you to reach out to a neighbor or a friend, or maybe God's been tugging at your heart and inviting you to start using the gifts and the skills and the abilities he's given you to start leading, to lead a life group or a women's Bible study group, or to start serving in the church. Whatever it is for you, would you be reminded that people who live by faith obey and they do what God says to do? Faith obeys. Second, faith is unafraid. Faith is unafraid. We read earlier in Hebrews that Moses' parents hid him for three months after his birth and they were not afraid of the king's edict. And the edict this is referencing is that Pharaoh had proclaimed that all of the baby boys who were born to the Hebrews were to be killed. But Moses' parents chose to hide their son. They chose to hide Moses and they were not afraid. We also read that by faith Moses left Egypt unafraid of the king's anger. Moses was unafraid. Moses' parents were not afraid. It's interesting and worth noting here that while we as parents don't have ultimate control over whether or not our kids decide to follow Jesus and live by faith in Christ, we do have a role to play for them in modeling what it looks like to live by faith in Jesus. I wonder if Moses had heard stories about his parents and how unafraid they were when they hid him for those three months. I wonder if he had heard stories and if those stories of his parents being unafraid had inspired him to also live by a faith that was unafraid. If you're raising kids right now, like I am, I've got two adorable twin boys at home. If you're raising kids, what are some ways that we can teach our kids and model for them and encourage them to live by faith in Jesus, simply by the ways that we talk, the ways that we give, the ways that we live, and the ways that we live out our faith in Jesus. When Hebrews says that Moses left Egypt, there are actually two times that Moses left Egypt. Once was after he had killed the Egyptian, and then the other was when he left with the Israelites after the 10 plagues. This verse most likely refers to the time after Moses had killed the Egyptian. It's interesting, however, because when Exodus tells this story, it says that Moses killed the Egyptian, he realized someone had seen him do it, and then Exodus says Moses was afraid, and that's when he left Egypt. So most likely, the writer of Hebrews is not trying to contradict what Exodus was saying, but rather, he's trying to say that Moses' life was not characterized by fear, that his life was characterized by a faith that overcomes fear. 
Earlier this year, I was invited to a church conference in Colorado, and I got an email from Tom Hughes, one of our co-lead pastors, and he was inviting some of our staff to join him for this conference in Colorado. And I love church conferences, and I love spending time with our church staff, because if you know any of our church staff, they're awesome, and it's such a gift and a joy to be with our staff team at Christian Assembly Church. And so I really wanted to go to this conference, but I hate flying. If this conference was local, if I could drive to the conference, I would be there in a heartbeat, but I hate flying. Better put, I should say, I'm afraid to fly. And so Tom had said he needed to hear back with us within a certain time frame, and we needed to get back to his administrative assistant, Emily, and let her know if we could go. And so I thought about it, and as the deadline was approaching, I had pretty much made up my mind and was thinking, I'm, I'm not gonna go. Like, I don't wanna get on a plane, I'm afraid to fly, it's just too much anxiety, I'm not gonna go. And so I sat down with Tom's admin, Emily, who's also a dear friend of mine, and I said, look, Em, I think my answer is no, I just, I can't make it work with childcare, it's asking too much of us, and it's just not gonna work. And then as I started to share the more honest version of why I wasn't going with her, I said, look, Em, I'm afraid to fly, I don't wanna fly, I don't wanna get on a plane, so I'm probably not gonna go to the conference. And Emily looked at me with great kindness, but also calmness and firmness, and she said to me something along the lines of, Jill, God's word says not to be afraid. Are you really gonna let your fear stop you from going to this amazing conference? God wouldn't want that for you. And immediately I knew that she was right because she was just speaking to me what God's word says and what she knows to be true of God. And I knew she was right and I was so mad that she was right because I knew it probably meant I was gonna have to get over my fear and get on a plane and fly to Colorado. And in that moment, I reminded myself of what is true. I reminded myself that God has ordained all of my days and that I, I can't make this decision out of fear. There are no guarantees that I wasn't gonna die in a plane crash, but there are no guarantees that I won't die right now or tomorrow or next week. God has ordained my days and I, need, I needed to trust God. And so I decided to live by faith instead of living by fear and I chose to go to the conference. Now, fast forward a little bit, shortly after that conference invitation came along, COVID-19 happened and the conference was canceled and our trip was canceled, so I never had to get on that plane, but I think that that was still an important learning moment for me. It was an important place for me to be in where I had to make the decision. Am I gonna live by fear or am I gonna live by faith in God and who I know God to be? Fear is something that each of us experience from time to time. Even in Exodus, it said Moses was afraid. But if we let it, fear will control us. Fear will run our lives. We will begin to make choices of what we're gonna do and what we're not gonna do based on our fears. So how do we live by faith in the midst of 
the reality that there are some fears we have. There are some very real fears that each of us have. And I wanna give us just three really quick practical suggestions for how to live by faith even in the midst of having some fear. First, pray. Talk to God, share with him your fears, write them out, list them, and then give those to God and let him speak to you and hold those fears for you. Second, talk to people that you trust. Share your fears with them and let them speak truth back to you. When I was making the decision about whether or not I wanted to fly to Colorado, I really hadn't shared that with anyone. I hadn't sat down with anyone and shared with them, here's my fear and here's why I don't wanna go. So it wasn't really until I sat down and shared that with Emily and she was then able to speak what is true back to me. So share with trusted friends and invite them to speak back to you what is actually true. And then third, go to God's word. Be in God's word, read the Bible. One of the best resources I know of that has helped me in my times of fear and anxiety and worry is the word of God because the word of God is true. And sometimes you guys, sometimes my fears feel really true and really real. But when I go to God's word, I'm reminded Oh yeah, that's, that's actually just fear. Like the fears I'm feeling are just fear. But God's word, this is what's true. This is what I can cling to and what's true. So um, three things to do when we feel fear but when we need to be living by faith. We need to pray and talk to God. We need to talk to trusted friends and we need to go to God's word to remind ourselves of what is true, that God is with us, that he will provide for us, that he cares about us, that he's in control and that we do not have to be afraid. So let me ask you ladies, what are you afraid of? Where in your life if you're honest, would you say that you are living by fear instead of living by faith? Maybe you're fearful about finances. Maybe you're worried because of everything going on in the world today and everything going on with the economy or maybe your hours have been cut short at work and maybe your fear and your worry has led you to decide to stop tithing and giving back to the purposes of God. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for years but you've never made that decision to tithe and give back 10% of your income to the purposes of God. And for you, the invitation is to set aside that fear and worry and go and remind yourself of what God's word says, that when we tithe and we trust God with our finances, he will bless us. If you wanna see that promise in God's word, go to Malachi 3, verses six through 12 for that promise. But maybe for you, what you need to say is, I, I gotta put my trust in God and his word and his promises, and even though I'm afraid to tithe and give of my finances, I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna trust that God will be faithful in that. Maybe you're worried about your health, or your family or your business, if there is any area of your life where you are living by fear instead of living by faith, then would you pray? Would you talk to trusted friends and would you go to God's word to remind yourself of what is actually true? And then, like we talked about earlier, would you obey? Would you obey? Fears will come. Fears will come in this world, but we get to choose whether we live by fear or whether we live by faith. And God wants us to live by faith and not fear. So faith obeys, faith is unafraid, and finally, faith looks forward. Faith looks forward. 
People who live by faith aren't simply concerned with today and what the present moment holds. People who live by faith look forward to a future day when God's promises will be fulfilled. Sometimes that happens in our lifetime. God promised Abraham that he would have a son and Abraham saw that promise fulfilled in the birth of Isaac. But sometimes we look forward to the promises of God even though they do not get fulfilled in our lifetime. Hebrews 11:13 through 16 says, all of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. Abraham, like all the other giants of faith mentioned in Hebrews 11, died in faith without receiving everything that had been promised. Moses died in faith without entering the promised land and without seeing the Israelites enter the promised land, but Moses saw it from a distance. In his last days, he got to physically see the promised land even though he never actually entered it. People who live by faith trust that God will fulfill his promises even if they don't see it in their lifetime. People who live by faith look past this present moment. They look past everything going on right now, even the pain and the suffering and the challenges, and they look forward to the eternal future that God has promised. They know that this world is not our home. Just like Abraham, we are strangers and foreigners. Our life on this earth is a gift but it is also temporary. This world is not our ultimate home. And no matter what happens in this life, for those who are in Christ, we know that God has prepared a far better home for us, an eternal home. People who live by faith fix their eyes on what is eternal rather than what is temporary because their faith looks forward. I received an email from my husband's grandmother recently and she was recalling memories from her childhood about her dad. He had helped to physically build a lot of churches in New Mexico. She said that it was said about her dad that he would carry a Bible in one hand and a hammer in the other hand. And she was remembering a time that he had helped to build a little church with bricks and he then packed up all the extra bricks and loaded them into his wagon trailer and as he was driving home, he got several flat tires and had to get out and fix them. And Byron's grandma asked, how did my father keep his joy? How did he keep his faith when so many things were so very, very difficult? And then she said, I know because he would say it. My eyes are on the goal. My determination is holding to the vision God has given me. She said, in my head I can hear him say, brothers and sisters, we are going to keep on keeping on until God calls us home. I refuse to be discouraged because God is on our side. People who live by faith look forward and they keep their eyes on the goal and the ultimate goal is not on this earth. The ultimate goal in this season is not opening up the economy or finding a vaccine for COVID-19, though those would be great things. The ultimate goal is not that we are happy, 
It's not that all of our dreams are fulfilled. The ultimate goal is in heaven. The ultimate goal is to find ourselves in the presence of God for eternity, free of pain and suffering and disease and worshiping Jesus forever. For those who are in Christ, heaven is our eternal destination. But we also know that our mission as Christ's followers is to help bring God's kingdom here on earth. That's what my husband's great-grandfather was doing when he literally helped to build churches in New Mexico with bricks. That's what our church is doing by donating groceries and handing those groceries out at our prayer and pantry to those who are in need. People who live by faith keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and his kingdom, and we have a role to play in helping to bring his kingdom here on earth until the day it comes in all its fullness with the return of Jesus. So ladies, what are your eyes fixed on these days? Are you focused more on the past, the present, or are your eyes fixed forward toward the future with a faith that looks forward? Hebrews says that Moses looked forward to the reward and that he persevered as though he saw him who is invisible. Moses' eyes were fixed on God. They were fixed on the one who is unseen. May we too fix our eyes on the one who is unseen. May we remember that this world is not our home and that for all those who are in Christ Jesus, there is a day coming when all of God's promises will be fulfilled and we will see with our eyes the one who is unseen. Faith obeys, faith is unafraid, and faith looks forward. That's what we learn from the giants of faith in Hebrews. We can be full of faith today because our faith is in a faithful God. I wonder if the author of Hebrews was writing this chapter of Hebrews today. I wonder who would be included in his list of giants who lived by faith. I wonder if I would be included I wonder if we would be included. Are we living by faith today, right now, in the midst of our current reality? Are we living by a faith that obeys and a faith that is unafraid and a faith that looks forward? May we be women who live by faith in Jesus Christ. May we be women who keep our eyes on the goal and who keep on keeping on until God calls us home. Let's pray. You can bow your heads and close your eyes wherever you're at. And I wanna give us a few ways to respond. For some of you, there is an area where you need to obey. It might be an area of sin where you need to turn and repent and ask God for forgiveness and turn and move in a different direction away from that sin. For some of you, obedience might be about doing what God has told you to do, about moving forward into whatever God is inviting you to or asking of you. For some of you, there is an area where you are afraid. If you're honest, there is an area or multiple areas in your life where you would say, I am not living by faith, but I am living by fear. And God's invitation is for you to live by faith, to give him that fear and move forward trusting him. For others of you, if you're honest, your eyes are looking in all sorts of directions except face forward. Your eyes are not fixed 
forward on Christ and on the goal. And you need to reposition your gaze. You need to look forward toward Jesus and the ultimate goal. And you need to be a part of helping bring God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So take a moment where you're at right now. We're gonna pause and just pray and talk to the Lord about whatever comes to mind, whatever he's inviting you to or asking of you in this moment and then respond to him. And for some of you, there are some of you watching and participating in this teaching right now. And if you're honest, you would say, you know, I don't know that I've ever lived by faith. Or maybe you'd say, I'm trying to live by faith, but if I'm honest, I don't really know who or what I'm even placing my faith in. There are some of you who have never made a decision to place your faith in Jesus Christ. You're tired of living by fear. You're tired of living a life without hope. And I wanna give you the chance to say yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now in this moment. All of us are sinners. All of us have messed up and made mistakes. But the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for our sin. Jesus took the penalty that we deserve, that he did not deserve, but he took that upon himself so that we don't have to pay that penalty. All those who call on the name of Jesus and place their trust in Jesus will be saved and will receive eternal life in Christ Jesus. If you want forgiveness for your sins, if you want new life in Christ and eternal life with God, if you are ready to say yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you can pray this prayer right now. God, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me for my sin. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I commit to following you all the days of my life. And if you prayed that prayer, we are so excited for that decision. We wanna celebrate that decision and celebrate your new life in Christ. So if you prayed that prayer and made a first time decision to follow Jesus, would you let us know so that we can celebrate with you and follow up with you? You can shoot us an email. And if you choose to shoot us an email, and I would really encourage you to do that if this is a decision you made. If you choose to shoot us an email, I will follow up with you personally. I would love to connect with you and get to know you and celebrate with you and just be with you in this new journey as you follow Jesus Christ. So God, we thank you right now for anyone who said yes to you. We thank you for anyone who prayed that prayer and said, yes, I am placing my faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. Would you strengthen them? Would you bless them? And would you give them all they need to walk out their new life in you? God, for everyone who is listening and watching right now, I pray that you would give them all they need to have a faith that obeys, to have a faith that is unafraid, and to have a faith that looks forward. Strengthen us in this season, God. Give us all we need to keep on keeping on until you call us home. 
We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, ladies. Great to be with you.